there's always a FinReg Angle, the podcast providing you with the latest news and commentary on financial regulation. Brought to you by Global Custodian. Hello and welcome to the seventh episode of season two of There's Always a FinReg Angle. I'm John Watkins, editor of Global Custodian, and I'm joined virtually, as always, by a pair of FinReg experts, Sean Tuffy and Virginia O'Shea. Welcome back. Ah, great to be here. Nice to be here. Sean, that is a crisp line we're hearing from you. Are you? Uh, you're not at home today, surely. That's too good for your home internet connection. No, I have uh, finally, after a long 18 months, returned to the office. Uh, so you guys won't be sub- subjected to my uh, 1980s dial-up internet connection for the recording. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, you're nice and clear, which is great for today. And considering it's only been a month since we last spoke, I feel like a lot has happened. On the custody side, we've seen State Street say it will buy a BBH's Investor Services Unit, Sean, your old outfit. And we've had es- Esmer ask for a delay to the buy-in rules, finally. Uh, and they also have published their annual work program for 2022. But start with Virginia. Um, tell me, what are you tired of hearing about repeatedly? And why is it T plus one settlement? So it totally isn't T plus one. I mean, <laughs> I've done a lot of panels. I know I've done a lot of panels on T plus one. But most of those panels have had different people on them. And we've had different angles for everybody, um, including different countries talking about it, which is interesting. So I've had, you know, everyone from APAC to LATAM talking about what they think about T plus one and their experiences with it. So that, that's that been interesting. It's more the RTGS, like real-time growth settlements crowds that have been going on and on about uh, that stuff. And I feel like I, I've said so many times why RTGS is probably not the easiest thing to go to and, and you know, the, the risk stuff related to it. Um, but I feel like I should just be recording myself and pressing play every day. <laughs> Anyone talks to me about it. Are they still having to they, say the same things? Are they still going with the real time stuff? I saw there was a panel with all retail and Robin Hood <laughs> people talking about it with absolutely no kind of balanced commentary from the other side at all. Did you yes. tune into that? I, I didn't. Well, I, partially. And then I, I, I kind of gave up with it because it. To, to be honest, like everybody had an angle there because most of them were like sort of distributed ledger technology vendors um, and Vlad from Robin Hood, which I mean, obviously, if he's a settlement expert now. Um, I don't know how he got this crap in the credentials, <laughs> but certainly uh, it was not the most balanced discussion. So, um, yes. <laughs> I wonder who's been on more T plus one panels, me, you or Vlad in the last uh, 12 months. Then. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> sure. What do you think about it? Are you bored with T plus one or bored with T plus zero or bored with real time? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, like you guys, I find the, the conversation around T plus zero in real time. I find kind of exhausting because it tends to be people with, you know, a, a stake in the outcome or it'd be distributed ledger or Vlad just defending Robin Hood somehow. So I, like, I, I find that part distracting from the actual conversation about how we move to T plus one or, you know, T and a half or whatever the, the end game is. So I find that part, I find that part of the conversation a little tiresome because it's so circular. Like it just doesn't like people scream, we should go to real time. And experts like Virginia and others say like, no, that's really a lot of work and not worth it. And then you, they don't care and they just go, it keeps going in circles. So I think mm-hmm. that part of the conversation, and I think it distracts from the challenges that we're going to face to even get down to T plus one. So I think that just sort of is muddling the conversation a little bit. Yeah. Although to be balanced, you've got to admit every industry panel has DTCC on it. So maybe they're thinking the same thing from our side. <laughs> Could be, yeah. <laughs> what I found mad was that obviously we had the announcement about T plus one and you know the 
basically saying there's no hurdles to achieving it. But then in, at the same time, they introduced their, their project ION. Well, not introduced it, that was introduced a while back, but said there's been developments and, and now they've given a roadmap to exploring um, T plus one and T plus zero on, on DLT. So Virginia, what did you think about them, them releasing that at the same time uh, as, as the T plus one initiative? I mean, the whole DLT thing with inequity settlements, it kind of bothers me, I must admit. I mean, I still don't see it as a system that's the perfect system for this. I, I still remain unconvinced about it. Right? The amount of time, times we've seen sort of problems in that move, you know, for, for example, Hong Kong Exchange's Synapse was going to be distributed ledger technology. Now it's it's got smart contracts, but it's a centralized database, largely because their, their community said no, it's too expensive, it's too much change internally, why bother when we can just do it with centralized tech, right? That's the same, <laughs> I mean, that's what goes through my head every time. It's like, is it really worth um, the cost of going through all this to, to, to introduce a technology just for the sake of introducing a technology? It sometimes seems to me, right? That th there needs to be like a cost benefit analysis every time. One thing again on the T plus one topic is we're talking about US, equ US equities, a lot obviously but then india indian regulators came out and said you know while us has got two-year plan to get t plus one in place the indian regulators came out and said hey stock exchanges we're going to give you the option of moving to t plus one or not but you just have to give a month's notice to to the market and also that's going to start in january 2021 <laughs> so how i mean that that's mad and, and people were not happy about it as expected well, it could have a very negative impact on their sort of the global investor community and, and how much, you know, internal you know, investment or how much cross-border investment goes into India as well. I mean, I think that's something that they haven't really addressed very well. I mean, they thought about that. It's more from the regulator perspective. They thought about their domestic investors and being able to adopt um, this settlement cycle and not a thought about the global impact. And also, I mean, the, mad, the madness of the regime is that it's up to the discretion of each of the, the the two exchange the main exchanges there as to whether which stock moves to t plus one and which stays at t plus two so if you have dual listed stocks you could have one on one exchange at t plus one and one on the other the same on the other exchange at t plus two which makes no sense whatsoever so wow. i mean it's very convoluted that's not going to happen surely it I could mean, in, i mean as in surely they're gonna not go ahead with this in january 2022 We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Well, speaking of not going ahead with things, um, Sean, did you see we finally got this ESMA recommendation about the, the delay in the buy-in um, to the European Commission? Just a quick one. When, when ESMA asks for a delay to the European Commission, is that a slam dunk? Is it, is it, does it always happen if they ask for it? No, not, I mean, more times than not, but it's not a, a it, definitely not a slam dunk. And we've seen sort of, because there was, a, if you remember at the beginning of the year when the, uh, ESG regs came in for disclosures. ESMA, all the ESAs actually asked the commission to delay the level one because level two wasn't ready yet and commission just plowed ahead anyway. So it's not not a given, but there is a tremendous amount of pressure. I mean, obviously ESMA is the most, you know, vocal or, you know, at, at a policy level, but, you know, every industry association has basically wheeled out their same, what are you guys doing letters to the commission? So there is a ton of pressure. So. It wouldn't surprise me to see yet another delay, but it wouldn't. There are times when the commission can sort of hold fast to deadlines. They feel things have been delayed too often. So I wouldn't. Oh, you know, you're in the industry. You need to sort of 
hold on and keep preparing as if it is going to go live in February. But no one is prepared for that buy-in well, yeah. meeting. That's the thing, right? So I've, yeah. I've been speaking, this is a particular thing, I've been speaking to lots of ops, ops people. And I'm like, oh, so you have you sort of started preparing for the penalties? And, and most people have, or they're relying on their vendors to get them there. Whereas uh, even the vendors haven't started on the buy-in stuff. So right. although a handful have, but and, and it's very preliminary because everyone thinks it's going to be delayed or, or removed. Yeah, I mean, risky. that's all the removal parts. The, I mean, that's a risky strategy, mm -hmm. but sometimes it's all you can do. I mean, the removal part's the more interesting one, right? Because there is still considerable effort that, like, you know, maybe you need to remove, like, keep the penalties, keep the reporting, whatever. Like, people can live with that, but, like, remove the mandatory buy-in part altogether. And there is still a lot of pressure on that. It's just it's hard to know where it's going to land in the end. Yeah, it's less of a problem for the liquid stocks. It's more the illiquid ones, yeah. right? That, that's the concern there. Yeah. Makes sense. We'll see if, if the EC listens. <laughs> yeah, who knows? We we got that. I think the announcement came out. That was a Friday four o'clock announcement, wasn't it? Which is a nightmare for us. I mean, we <laughs> first of all, obviously, uh, Joe, Joe left us recently and uh, he texted me to say, hey, you seen this? You know, this is a big news. Right. And I thought, and I'm sitting there, you know, Joe's obviously left. I actually had the afternoon off because it was my son's birthday. So we, we popped down to the beach. So uh, my colleague, <laughs> Richard Schwartz as well, I think he was off that afternoon. You know, again, it's four o'clock on a Friday. We thought, hey, this is a, this is a time to, to clock off for the weekend and it came through. So uh, our, uh, our new reporter, Wesley Bray, uh, was a hero for, <laughs> for that weekend. He put it together <laughs> and, uh, you know, he said, I think I proved it while sitting on the beach. So, uh, yeah, props to him for doing that. And uh, Sean, you spoke to Wes recently as well, didn't you? Because you, uh, you had a big Q&A interview on our uh, homepage. <laughs> I did meet Wes. Yeah, it was a good time. It was uh, nice to meet, meet a new member of the team. And, you know, I always love riffing on Finn Reg, as you guys know. So it was, uh, it was a good time. Yeah, and, uh, so that was a good piece. For, uh, people check it out. It's a good overview of uh, what, what Finn Reg topics keep an eye out for now and uh, into next year. But let's move on because, again, a lot of stuff. And ESMA issued its, its kind of priorities for 2022, didn't, didn't they? And uh, while I haven't got the list in front of me, I'm hoping you two FinReg experts, as you're uh, you know, claiming to be, have just got this <laughs> list in your head. So, sure, what, uh, what jumped off, off the page in their uh, priorities for 2022 to you? Yeah, I mean, honestly, none of it is all that surprising. <laughs> like, I mean, like it's, it's what you would expect. So it's sort of capital, you know, CMU, Capital Markets Union, try to fix the ESG regs and work towards harmonization at an EU level on a number of different pieces. But there's nothing out there that I think was a surprise I mean, they are like lurking out there. I think it's everything that we knew they were going to work on. Um, so I think what will be interesting is how they prioritize it and how they can get stuff done because especially with the ESG regs, I mean, there's a, a bunch of different moving parts. I mean, we've talked about it before because it isn't a single regulation. It's changes to like dozens of regulations that it's just, there's so many different parts moving how they'll be able to prioritize and get stuff through in the right order, I think will be a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, no surprises. Almost like they've been listening to our podcast and making their agenda <laughs> based on what we've been talking about. Um, Virginia, what, did you see anything in there that uh, maybe not surprised you, but um, you know, what, what jumped off the page in there? Um, I guess, well, there's a lot of stuff going on with the mirror, isn't there? And all the CCP, EU 
hokey pokey that's going on or hokey cokey like in out in out should it be in the eu should it be in the uk i mean the, the derivatives clearing stuff is is somewhat frustrating because <laughs> yeah. they were going to publish a paper then they weren't going to publish a paper and they're not going to publish a paper I just, I, i'm trying to keep track of it is somewhat frustrating for the part of the industry um uh, and I, I still don't see the, the rationale aside from politics as to why they would try and move clearing but um it continues to be a discussion and then that's been the discussion since brexit started right so that was one of the sort of irritating parts of it um and it's one of the you know the start of, of, of the list i think of, of things that they were looking at and then obviously we've got a huge number of changes to reporting coming up because of Amira refit um so so that's sort of uh, another thing that i've been looking at um with regards to, to some of the tweaks they're having there um and, and that's relatively, you know, relatively short turnaround to do a lot of changes. Yeah. And some of them seem to be changes for the sake of it again. But I know they're trying to simplify, but sometimes when they try to simplify, they don't take into account, you know, the amount of work that's gone into putting um, together <laughs> reporting right. systems and how much work it takes to change them. So um, I think that's where we're sort of, we've, we've got some frustrations. And you've got the unique product identifier, for example, coming in um at that you know in, in the cftc regs as well so it's it's sort of people in reporting i think are tearing their hair out at the moment because mm -hmm. there's so many changes coming in across the globe yeah i mean that's definitely one thing on the reporting side i think if you ask most people in the industry five years ago yeah they would have loved simpler reporting but now they would just like them to stop changing it honestly because it doesn't like the the work that goes into redo even for things that are simpler on the end is just but it's you know it's a, it's a huge investment of time and resources um, that sort of takes up uh, a, a lot of bandwidth at firms. And there's so many regimes to keep track of. I mean, and obviously once one regulator goes, then you've got the Asian regulators who will probably be you know close after changing their regimes as well right. to come into some degree of alignment. But I mean, I, I was talking to someone from DTCC who just put out a paper about the fact there's only was it only 50% of the data points are similar across all of the regimes. All the you know right. the other 50% is completely different. So all the different flavors you have to put out there. Yeah, I mean that's always like that's a perennial challenge, right? That like you just even when everyone's guided by the same principles, like the overlap is never 100% or even 80%. So for firms to try to create global solutions or it's just almost impossible, you end up building these sort of hugely, huge processes to develop bespoke reports per jurisdiction, which is just, you know, uh, not the most efficient way to go about things. True. And we've had, and we've just had the sort of CFTC witch hunt at the end of the um, <laughs> at the end of the month in in September as well. We had sort of how many different I don't know how many fines fines they meted out for for reporting failures and data quality issues. Mm -hmm. But it was uh, just they, they like to get all of their enforcement actions in before the end of the fiscal year, right? So to prove that they're doing their job and and they they can get more funding for the next year. So <laughs> somewhat leaving your homework to the last minute, but uh, it was quite amusing watching that. There were so many, weren't there? They just kept coming and coming. And what did, what, what did you see within those enforcement actions? You know, is it, is it pretty clear what's what's going wrong and, and how these uh, these places can fix it? Um, I mean, yeah, they're very clear on what they need. I think they get very prescriptive um, in terms of the judgments. They're pages and pages to read through. And most of it was to do with sort of 
um, lack of using various uh, or lack of checking or using various uh, identifiers and things. So the LEI was in there a few times, um, different sort of valuations, um, metrics that people were forgetting to include, for example, in their, in their SDR reporting. Uh, swap data repository reporting actually not that'll confuse people <laughs> too many <laughs> there's too many acronyms that are common across um oh bloody hell um but yes there were lots of um issues with regards to, to individual items and they were they were able to tell you you know how many years you've been um failing your reporting um but generally i think most of these have been whistleblowers because how else would they know to look <laughs> but, right. and that's where we see all those big um awards going out to people but I would say you know I think there was one that's I can't remember who, which firm it was but it was seven years of, of worth of reports that they'd gone through um, and the same problem was there for seven years so and they'd been flagged to, to, to need to change it so uh, obviously there'll be reg techs are going to be really happy uh, with all this stuff coming out yeah absolutely so yeah, plenty to keep uh, us, us journalists busy there then um, on the <laughs> on the regulatory enforcement front. Um, I guess this is probably the, the longest we've gone without talking about Gary Gensler or kind of uh, SEC and, and getting a push to approve Bitcoin uh, ETFs <laughs> ever in a podcast. But uh, Sean, uh, what, we should get a jingle actually from Kai, shouldn't we, about Gensler <laughs> updates. But uh, what's been going on uh, across the pond and with uh, Gensler and the SEC? Yeah, I mean, it's... The on the Gensler and the SEC sort of continues to push for sort of greater oversight of the sort of uh, the Bitcoin or cryptocurrency space, um, and sort of on the Bitcoin ETF. Which, if you had asked me at the start of the session, when I'm tired of talking about this, probably would be it. But um, <laughs> the Bitcoin ETF, um, there. I think we talked about this last time. So Gensler over the summer indicated that the SEC would be amenable to the idea of a futures-based ETF rather than a direct holding ETF. And in fact, they approved a couple uh, straight mutual funds that do just that. So I think there's starting to form a consensus that whether it's this year or early next year that uh, the US will get a Bitcoin ETF that it will be a futures-based one rather than direct holding, which the purists will get all upset about, but I mean, if it gets you there, it gets you there. <laughs> so I, I think that's that's likely the outcome. Um, I know a bunch of applications went in right after a speech in August, so they have 90 days to turn them around. So we should be seeing pretty soon either them get punted or rejected or uh, an approval. So when, when that happens, you know, we can stop talking about it, which will be good. But uh, we'll wait and see what happens. <laughs> Everyone listening to this is like, yes, we're bored of uh, you guys talking about uh, Bitcoin ETFs. As well. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, uh, yeah, I guess that's, that's everything that I can think of. I mean, I know there's some stuff coming up with the, the kind of MIFID 2 revisions as well, which is going to be big. I mean, that could be a, a whole show in itself in the, in the future. But uh, unless there was anything um, you both had on, on that. So Gary Gensler did his, did his second testimony for, before the House Financial Services Committee, worth mentioning probably. Um, and he, away. You know, yeah, I mean, it, so, so he did a good old, good old chat about what they're, what they're working on and got the begging bowl out uh, at the end of it to say, you know, we need some more money. Um, because we've had uh, <laughs> we've had a reduction, four percent reduction in staff over the last five years, apparently, um, and they've added many more items to their list to actually do. Um, so, so he was he was sort of 
asking uh, all of the politicians to give them more of a budget for, for the coming couple of years. Um, but a lot of the interesting stuff he was talking about, I guess, was I quite like the chat around looking at AI and predictive data analytics and, and, you know, what kind of biases might be underlying that. I thought that was an interesting topic that I guess he hadn't really gone into before. And he'd mentioned gamification before, but maybe not on the sort of the AI front. So mm. I thought that was an interesting topic and how they're, how they're going to assess that, I'm not sure, but certainly is, is something to, to bear in mind. Yeah, the gamification stuff was interesting. Mm -hmm. Because I don't like, you know, as you say, how they assess it and then what they do with it afterward. I have no idea. Like, I don't know where we go in terms of the rule, any potential rule set after that will be I'm hard to conceive of what they could possibly do mm -hmm. uh, and where they can draw lines on what is acceptable gamification, what is not. So I think that would be, an, I think it might be an interesting paper that comes out, but I'm not quite sure where it leads us from a, a policy perspective in the end. Yeah, and the whole ethics and AI aspect that yeah. sort of falls under ESG almost because of yeah. the you know the the lack of diversity diversity in coders and things like that. Whether how how on earth do you tackle that? I'm not sure, but that's yeah. something to to look out for. This week is obviously Cybos, and you know we we kind of touch on Cybos throughout throughout the year. And last year we had our Cybos preview. But uh, Virginie, how many panels are you doing this year? Three this year, three. Yeah, I have to go into the studio for one of them, which is going to be interesting. It's wow. in, it's near Gatwick, believe it or not. So I'm on a business, I'm going to be in a business park near Gatwick. <laughs> Very glamorous. The glamour of it all, right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, well, weren't we in Sydney a few years ago? <laughs> I know, sad times, sad times. So three panels, wow. That's, uh, that's quite a performance you got coming up this week then. Um, so what, what are you talking about in your sessions? Um, so one of them is about sort of fintech adoption um, and trends from front to back, um, front to back office uh, technology trends, sort of uh, consolidation mm. and sort of touching on a piece of research that I have just completed on, on um, securities and derivatives processing and how siloed everything is. Um, so it's an average of 9.1 securities processing systems uh, at, at a bank uh, oh. some have 50 <laughs> up to sort of 50 plus <laughs> others have sort of uh, fewer but obviously small the smaller you are the fewer you have generally um so that's one of the topics um the, another one is is looking at the um the new swift focus on the unfortunately named UTI, Unique Transaction Identifier, <laughs> uh, the pains uh, of that and, and how to uh, improve uh, transparency across the, the life cycle of, uh, you know, the, the post-trade life cycle and uh, try and try and deal with things like, you know, penalties for um, CSDR and things like that. So that's one topic. And, and the last one is on big game hunting. So that's yeah. the one I'm doing uh, in the studio and doing live polling, which is uh, all about uh, ransomware. So we've got some cybersecurity experts talking about the challenges of dealing with ransomware. Um, and that plays into Bitcoin, doesn't it, obviously, because all of these guys are asking for Bitcoins these days or Dogecoin or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's pronounced Doge. Is it Doge? Okay. <laughs> this is where we need Joe to, uh, to clarify this. He's right. I know. On that kind of stuff. Um, that's, that's exciting. Uh, quite a range of topics there you've got as well. Mm -hmm. are, they, are you going to fall victim to the, uh, you know, can't speak at two cybosses in a row, but if you're doing three panels, is that you're not going to be able to speak for the next kind of three, three years? I don't, I've never <laughs> had that problem. I, I've spoken every year aside from one year. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> so... 
You're um, the exception to the rule. Congratulations. Well, yes, yeah, so just different tracks. So yeah. yeah, not always the same track. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, I'm, I'm doing I'm doing one on T plus one, um, Virginia. Obviously, you know, um, you, you can critique me on the panel afterwards and let me know uh, <laughs> <laughs> what we did. We should have talked more about. Actually, it was funny because it was a, it was a you know we're talking about the global shift, but obviously we had two panelists from the US, one from Europe. We talked a lot about the the US um, settlement uh, equity settlement cycle, so uh, less less on the global side, but really good chat nonetheless. And then I also did a, a fireside chat with. Uh, Euroclear CEO, Lever Mostre. So that was a, a pretty good one. So keep an eye out for those sessions this week uh, and others. There's, it's, a, it's a lot heavier on the securities th th uh, threads and themes this year. I think it's, it's showing that Swift kind of prioritizing that more. Thank we, goodness. Yeah, we had a few crumbles <laughs> in the previous years about uh, it going a bit light on, on that. And I think they're in danger of um, losing the interest of some of the securities uh, industry participants. So uh, good that that's being prioritized again even if a lot of it is about settlement, but hey, we enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> the plumbing, everyone has to talk about the plumbing, come on. Exactly, exactly. Settlement fails, uh, always interesting. So yeah, we'll, uh, we hope everyone uh, enjoyed the episode and enjoys Cyborg's week as well. We'll be back next month to, uh, to kind of review things and, and check in on all the regulatory going on. But um, for now, uh, Sean, where can people find your work? As always, uh, check out Securities Services Insight on cityicg.com. Great, and Virginia? What, uh, yep. what are you working on at the moment? Um, well, I'm doing a lot of stuff on reg reporting still, um, and I'm doing a fair amount on uh, settlements and CSDR and all of that stuff. So, and I'm also doing my predictions for trends next year. So, a lot of <laughs> different things I'm working on. But you can check uh, my stuff out on www.fintechfirebrand.com. Uh, you and me both on the predictions front. So uh, we should we should talk. Yep. See if any uh, overlap. I've, I've got. Uh, okay, what do you what do you think about this then? I've got another. I think another big custody merger coming next year after the State Street and BBH one. What do you What do you reckon? It could happen. It could happen. No comment on that. <laughs> Sean's definitely going to be no comment on that. But uh, yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> well, I would do a nice opinion piece on uh, you know potential pairings, and uh, and you can you can let me know what you think. But uh, for now, uh, that that's all for now. And uh, thanks for listening. And do do provide us with feedback. Um, and we we might even be accepting guests in the near future. So if you're interested in coming onto the show to join me sean and virginia then then do get in touch but uh yeah for now thanks for listening and thanks sean and virginia for your thoughts today thank, thank you. you you were listening to there's always a finreg angle podcast from global custodian stream on google and apple podcasts spotify or catch up wherever you get your podcasts from